0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Lee2B, the sassiest podcast for B2B. I'm your host, Lee Moskowitz, a marketer on a mission to educate while entertaining. Today, we're stepping into the vibrant world of Moxie Books with Vicki Quinn-Fraser, who is a master in turning creativity into captivating books. As a wordsmith, nonfiction book coach, and creator of the Microbook Magic program, Vicki has woven her magic through five books, Ghost written over 20, and empowered countless individuals to share their stories. Beyond the written word, catch Vicky swinging on trapeze, choreographing dance routines, and mastering the art of pole dancing. Get ready for an engaging conversation about how to tell your story, the essence of writing, and a whole lot more with Vicky on Lee2B. Where are you in the UK right now?
1: I am in a county called Herefordshire, which is mostly sheep and fields, and it's really close to Wales.
0: Nice. Okay, so you're, you're my first UK guest. I've had Canada, uh, Barcelona, and yeah, so congrats.
1: Awesome! Yay! Happy so- to be the first representative of the UK contingent.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I have to just start off and ask about the, the sheep, because uh, you have? You have some sheep?
1: I have three miniature sheep, yeah, which is kind of a long story, but I'm an accidental shepherdess, um, and now I have three miniature sheep, two of whom are delightful and one of whom is a dickhead who wants to kill me
0: so <laughs> how do you become an accidental sheep herder
1: oh my gosh okay so I went to visit a friend who lives lived on a farm she wasn't a farmer but she just had a cottage on the farm um we went down to say hi I went on my own and we went to have a look a little walk he'd just done the lambing the farmer had just done the lambing so we're like oh can we have a look and how's it gone and you know is everything okay and he said everything's been great except for this little dude who I might have to knock on the head if I can't straighten his leg out um because farmers are very practical and you know, if 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 they're, they're if they're not good mm-hmm. and I was like no please don't do that I'll take him home I'll take him home so I did and I turned up stuck him in the back of the car took him home turned up and my husband was like what the fuck um so yeah we had a sheep you can't just have one sheep so we had to get mm-hmm. more sheep to go with the sheep so
0: <laughs> now you have chickens as well right that was that an accident too or
1: uh no no that was deliberate we always plan to have <laughs> chickens we've got two at the moment so yeah
0: so do you get eggs from them like are they your source of, source of eggs
1: yeah at the moment they're kind of eating their own eggs which is a little bit naughty um but they're also retired their ex battery so they're they're rescue chickens so they're just here for retirement and the eggs are a bonus so
0: nice nice very good i'm vegetarian so this is all music to my ears so same i'm
1: vegetarian too (laughs) oh
0: cool cool yeah so that's awesome we can talk about that too but but yes thank (laughs) you so much for coming on I'm super excited to talk to you because or actually before I even jump in let's start from the 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 beginning a very good place to start what drew you to become a nonfiction book coach how did how did that start it's a very unique career path
1: yeah so I've had like a really winding really winding journey I didn't do so well at school I dropped out of my a-levels which is Kind of senior year for you guys I guess. Um, thank you. Thank and, you. <laughs> and then I went to university as a mature student but I'd kind of done a bunch of like a bunch of jobs before then. Um, went to university as a mature student to do archaeology and ancient history. Um, I learned to read and write ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs which is extremely useful every day um, <laughs> but after that <laughs> um, I got a job as a crime scene examiner uh, which people are like eh But actually, archaeological digs and crime scenes require very, very similar skills. So quite a lot of people go into that field. Um, Working for the police didn't work out so well for me. Um, And so I left there, got a random job as a marketer, got a job as a press officer, um, got another job at another place, got fired. I was like, shit, what am I going to do now? Um, And started my own business as a freelance copywriter. Um, While I was doing that, one of my clients said to me, I want to write a book, can you write a book for me? And internal monologue was, crap, don't know how to do that. What came out of my mouth was, absolutely, let's do it. Um, So I really, really enjoyed the whole process of writing the book. did it again, did it for more people, um, helped a few people write a book. People were like, oh, you should totally be a book coach. You should help people to do this like on the regular. And it took me quite a long time to kind of specialize in it. But that's that's kind of the path. I've gone from copywriting, direct marketing to helping people to write their books.
0: Okay. That's freaking amazing. So one, have you, I mean, you don't need to write a fiction version of this, but like, have you considered writing a fiction version of that, of like an archeologist crime fighter who like, who writes about books and the books like she's writing are actually like the real stories going on? Like, wow. Okay.
1: Oh my gosh. I absolutely (laughs) love that idea. Um, I've got so many fiction ideas that I've never started and like short stories that I've never finished. And at some point I would like to write a novel, but I'm mostly a nonfiction girl.
0: Yeah, I mean, so that that's a good place to to ask of, like, so many people want to or thought about it, but don't know when to start and or just keep pushing it off. And one thing I've heard you emphasize is that there will never be a right time to do this. There's never going to be a right time to to write a book. Uh, Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I really believe that that there's never a right time to do anything, because there's always going to be a reason not to do something, right? We can always find a reason not to do something, whether we want to do it or not want to do it. Um, And, you know, I've heard people say this about, like, changing jobs, getting married, having kids, getting, a you know, all of that kind of thing. It's like, oh, when's the right time? You could, you could wait until you're 90 years old, and you're still not going to have the right time to do it. So I'm just like a massive fan of there are almost no decisions that you can make that are irrevocable, right? There's almost no decisions that you can make that are life and death. There are a few, obviously. But like what's the worst that's gonna happen if you if you say, I'm I'm gonna write this book, I'm gonna start today? Maybe you don't finish it, maybe it's a bit shit none of those things are world ending and you can try again it's like the number of books that I've started the number of things that I've written that are just an absolute bag of crap and you know what that's okay because like sometimes I'll turn them into something good later sometimes I will bin them and never look at them again it's all kind of data it's all fodder and so yeah I'm like a massive fan of if you want to do something give it a go because it's not permanent like nothing almost nothing is permanent so give it a go see what happens treat it like a big game or an experiment
0: Mm-hmm. so where do you start then because so many people are like i want to write a book they either have an idea or maybe they don't have an idea or they're like it's all like they don't know where to focus on how do you help people in your coaching narrow down that idea for themselves
1: yeah so normally i will i mean there's a bunch of things that, w- that we can do um but i will get people to Talk to me about why they want to write the book in the first place. And the people who kind of struggle, and the people who are like, oh, well, so and so said I should do this, or I thought it would be a good idea for blah, blah, blah. And I kind of, I will watch people's body language. I will listen to the the energy that they have in their in their kind of bodies and their voices. And I can usually tell if it's something they really want to do or not. So I will like have conversations with people. It's like, okay, tell me about this idea. What is it that you, makes you want to devote a chunk of time and energy? Cause like, I'm not going to lie, it's really hard. Um, like what makes it that special? Why do you care about this so much? And kind of get people into that mode. And that way you can, it's like, okay, well, you know, I can talk about, writing i write about writing a lot cuz it's what i do it's like there are so many topics on that and the book that i've most recently written which is called don't eat the frog is like there are so many productivity books out there there are so many books on how to write out there and i was like well okay what am i getting het up about at the moment and it's that kind of i just saw loads of people like just i don't know why it all came at my face it was like oh just do the most difficult thing first and i'm like that's great. That works really well for some people. does not work well for people with brains like mine. A lot of people with ADHD really struggle with that. If you tell me to do something really hard before I do anything else, I will literally sit and stare at the wall all day and then I will cry. And so I really hate that advice. So I was like, well, what does work for me like what writing productivity advice so that was how I like narrowed that down and so I will get people to really think about okay that's an interesting idea but what about that idea specifically has got you excited what about that let's dig down let's find the angle that you can bring to it that's really going to make it something that you can devote you know 50,000 words to all
0: right oh I love that so first of all don't eat the frog you said right
1: for me, don't eat the frog. It works for some people, but yeah.
0: Oh but I mean that's the name of the book, right? I oh wanna, that's the I name of the book. Shout yeah, yeah, yeah. out. Yeah, oh, okay. so don't eat the frog, yes. Um, so this one's specifically for uh, people with ADHD, right? Yeah. So one, um, so there's there's a lot of salespeople in my audience. A lot of salespeople tend to have ADD or ADHD, it just happens that way. Um, So even if you're not a writer, I'm sure there's a lot of ideas in there that you can use. So as someone who doesn't have ADHD, what are some of the more unique challenges when it comes to either just productivity or or general things like that?
1: Okay, yeah. So um, the whole executive malfunction thing, as I like to call it, is like um, quite often it will... And people, I'm sure people relate to this, it will look like I'm sitting mindlessly scrolling on my phone, um, instead of doing the things that I want to be doing or should be doing. Um, But actually, what's going on inside is endless internal screaming about get off the sofa, just and it's like, it feels like I'm paralyzed. And so one of the things that I found extremely helpful is just like, change my state. Like, it doesn't even have to be, like, a massive thing. So I will put on some music and dance to it. But, like, even if it's just stick your leg in the air, if you're lying on the sofa doom-scrolling, stick your leg in the air, and just that act of movement and changing that state and, you know, will change the whole physiology of yourself. And that can be enough to kick-start you off the sofa. So that's that's one thing. Um, and there's probably people listening to this who are like, I don't get that, so why don't you just stand up and do the thing? No, I'm actually like-
0: wondering. Maybe I do have ADHD. <laughs> um, no, I have anxiety and depression. I'm on the other side, we're good.
1: <laughs> oh anxiety goes hand in hand with ADHD it's super fun um, yeah so <laughs> uh, so there's that this the don't eat the frog thing so again it's like I can I can sit here and say don't try and make yourself do the biggest task first but okay what do you do instead so what I do is I like to call it the dopamine sandwich um and so instead of tackling the biggest thing first which is a recipe for disaster for me I will do something fun first so it might be like I'll set a timer and for five minutes and I will play lemmings on my phone for five minutes, my current obsession. And that will be like, okay, this is fun, this is fun. And then I'll be like, phone goes away. I'm gonna slide straight into doing the tasks that I wanna do. Because if you can just get started, that's like a massive deal. And then afterwards I'll reward myself. So I reward myself before and I reward myself after, and it becomes like a whole sandwich. So that's, nice. that's one I, of the things I do. Yeah,
0: I do something similar. Um I play a lot of chess, so I'll I'll like play a little game of speed chess on my phone and then be like okay I did the task. It does, sometimes I'll lose the game and be like well I, I can't I can't start a task with losing so I have to win eventually. But yeah I do I do the same thing. It's like I need that little mental break to before I yeah. approach something sometimes. Yeah. Uh yeah. So one one thing too that I saw that started it all and this is on your website is the slipper incident and. <laughs> before I say any more about the slipper incident can you walk our listeners through that
1: oh my gosh you really did do your research um (laughs) so (laughs) when when I was at primary school which is I don't know age four to eight ish um in the UK um I used to get I used to get so bored I I'd start and this isn't to be like oh look at me I'm I'm so intelligent but I was reading before I went to school like it's just you know everybody's got a thing that they're they just take to. Um, for me, it was reading. I was reading before I went to school. I was reading Enid Blyton. I was reading um, Wind in the Willows. I was not reading Peter and Jane. And I was not reading The Cat Sat on the Mat. And so when I got to school, and those were the books that I was presented with, they were like, this is what we're doing. I was just bored shitless. I was just like, this is this is ridiculous. So I would be doodling, or I would be messing around, or I would be carving my name into the desk with a pencil, which is apparently frowned upon. And I just, I just used to get into trouble for just not paying attention or not being disruptive, but just being like a space cadet. And there was one time, I think it was probably the carving my name into the desk with a pencil incident that got me sent to the head, headmistress's office. Um, Her name was Mrs. Stubbs. She was terrifying. I just remember her as like this person who wore brown cardigans and brown skirts and very sensible brown shoes. And she had very high brown hair and um, she was a very brown person like clothing wise um and so i was just like um okay this is scary and i just remember that she picked up the slipper that she keeps on her desk and she was like turn around i'm going to give you the slipper and i just remember and it's like it wasn't a beating and but it was like a little tap on the butt with a slipper. And yeah. that was when I realized that there was a way of behaving that was acceptable and a way of behaving that was unacceptable. And if I was to be, you know, not slapped with a slipper, um, throughout my school years, I was going to have to be this person that I was not. So it was like, I'm going to put this mask on. I'm going to behave in the way that everyone expects me to behave. And I'm going to, basically suffer through my school years being bored and pretending that i'm not and blah blah blah. and that was just what we got what got me kind of you know my escape was reading and my escape was writing nonsense as well and that was kind of what got me started with the whole writing thing was like disappearing into my own world and creating my own worlds
0: so i'm a dumb american and like as you're telling that story like literally all i can think of is matilda you know you know the book yeah 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 and yes, I'm stupid. Part of it's because, you know, your, your beautiful British accent. But no, you, you mentioned that like that's Matilda reading the stories. And then you're sent to the Trunchbull. And, and yeah, you didn't go to the Chokey. You had a slipper. But so like do you, you don't have telepathic powers or anything, right?
1: I don't think so. Although I did spend a lot. I used to spend a lot of time like staring at candle flames and trying to put them out with my mind. Um, never worked.
0: If you stare long <laughs> enough, that would actually work
1: that is true that is true uh yeah so
0: the microbook magic program something super cool something unique uh i mentioned it in your bio but tell us what tell our listeners about the program
1: so yeah this is probably the thing that i'm most proud of creating in in the last um in the last few years and it came about from a conversation that i had with one of my besties who lives in canada um Shout out to Misty, and I was just like, oh, I'm really struggling to sell places on um, a course that I was that I was running at the time, and it was a longer course for kind of big books. Um, and I just found that the first couple of rounds had gone really well, and then this time I was just really struggling to kind of get people to commit to it. And she said, "Well, make it make it tiny, like make it really small, make it super small, make it as small as you possibly can." You're all about taking tiny beetle steps. That's my handle on Instagram. So like, make it super small. And I was like, huh, interesting. So I had to think about it, and I was like. Under hundred pages, ten 000 to twenty-five thousand words, depending on what it is that you're making. Let's make a micro book. And I'd also recently read um, a book called Profit First by Mike um And this is absolutely no shade to him or his book at all. But like, it's all about finances, and I just, I can't, I cannot, I cannot. It just, I know it's important, but it just makes me want to go to sleep. And so I read the first three chapters the first four chapters and they literally changed my life like I have never struggled to pay my taxes since I paid that and I was like he could have just like I didn't read the rest of the book I'm not interested in it he could have just created that into like a tiny little micro book and it would just be so accessible to people and you know to people like me who are not adulting at all and not interested in the financial stuff and I just thought well if that's like how many books out there are kind of full of filler and fluff and people's egos and not always because they are you know not always because they're dude bros and all the rest of it although that is sometimes a problem but also because the traditional publishing industry has its rules and I'm doing rules mm-hmm. in air quotes for the listeners um that it's like oh a novel should be 120,000 words and a memoir should be 100,000 words and a non-fiction kind of self-help book should be 80,000 words and I was like well why you know why and there's no real reason behind it other than spine size for like getting the the name on the spine and actually being able to read it other than that there is really no reason that those conventions exist so I was like I love the idea of microbooks. Um, also, George Orwell has written a lot of pamphlets in his time. He wrote politics in the English language. And I was like, if it's good enough for George Orwell, it's good enough for me. Um, <laughs> and so that was kind of what got me started. And also with the ADHD and, you know, people's people are busy and people are really intimidated by the idea of writing 80,000 words and spending, you know, months sometimes on writing a book. And, you know, a microbook can take months as well. But I just thought there's a less intimidating way to do this and people who have these micro ideas let's give them a chance to get them out there in like a proper book and it is a proper book and so that's how micro book magic was born
0: and i mean you said intimidating for the writer but for me as a reader i i get super intimidated when a book is is like in in school i remember like picking out books and like seeing how long each each were and then I remember being like, is it worth finishing it? Like, I'd see the, the number on the page and like, I'm like, oh, I already started it. I like to finish it. So I, I love that because one, I feel like that's that's part of making reading more accessible to other people. Yeah. Two, though, like, there's the intimidation, but like in nonfiction, like like you said, I, I don't necessarily need to read or, or want to read a 3000 word book on something. I want the me, I want a few chapters and i be I mean, like, "Yay, I read a book.
1: Yes. And, you know, what you said about accessibility for readers is really important as well, because, and this is like, I know a lot of people with ADHD really struggle with reading. That's never been a problem for me. Like I'm, I'm a book lover through and through. But like I also know that people really do struggle. And I used to do the same thing. I used to like look forward at chapters, like how long is this chapter? Um to you know, do I do I want to read I did that more with books that I wasn't into, um, with nonfiction type books. But like quite often I would be like, I don't I didn't need all this, you know, I didn't need all this stuff. I needed the key idea and a, and a deep dive into that key idea. And I didn't need all of this other stuff. I definitely didn't need the dude bro kind of self aggrandizement. Look at all of the things that I have done. Um, it's like I'm not interested in that I just want the key message and so for me to be able to kind of create something and to help other people create something that makes reading more accessible is awesome And that doesn't mean that you can't then make a big book out of it um you know a a lot of people are going to do that I know a lot of people have um I'm going to make a bigger book out of some of my smaller books and then people have got that choice it's like I can split them into little ones or I can do one big one and there's a lot of choice for people then it just makes it a bit more accessible
0: yeah I mean a lot of movies start out as, as short films and then it, it's, it's similar things See, movies those are the things that most people watch now because everyone can't read no I, um <laughs> i tease but i think part of the, and we were getting it too is like when we were taught how to read in school, it's like it was such a daunting task we would we would read books that were written 20 30 40 whatever years ago we would analyze shakespeare and be like i have no idea what he's saying and then look at the the spark notes um so people got that negative kind of just connotation but like i feel like once you start reading for yourself or if school just like had better books like more like people wouldn't have that that like notion of reading you know
1: a hundred percent yeah it's like and i'm you know i i love shakespeare i love shakespeare plays And Shakespeare is really difficult. It's literally a different language. You know, it's a different form of English to what we used to have. And I know that people are reading Chaucer in in schools as well. And like, that's literally Middle English. It's not the same language technically. And so you're entirely right. It's like if you like that stuff has a place, but don't make it the only thing that you make kids read because it's just the way to destroy what they want. And also diversify your bookcases like seriously it's so white and middle class and rich rich dude and straight and it's like let's diversify the bookcases and the bookshelves and give kids something that's actually going to represent everybody and I you know I'm really passionate about that as well because like frankly it's boring like it's the same stuff all the time and it's boring so there's there's so much that we can we can do if we can get people interested in books with like little short ones short ideas so much more we can do with it.
0: A lot of people in the US are working very hard to keep keep the bookshelf very white and dude bro.
1: <laughs> so I have been reading, yeah, Florida mm-hmm. for the win. So <laughs> Yes.
0: Um so how like so we're talking about the the microbook. Um how is that and how is writing for nonfiction different from writing copywriting or a blog post or like a white like a lot of the other like the businessy type writing? How is it different?
1: So For me, it's a chance to go a little bit deeper and you've got a little bit more time. And there's a lot of expectations involved as well. So when people are reading a blog post, they expect it to be fairly short these days. And, and, you know, in the... Old days of blogging, you would get like really super long blog posts because there weren't that many blogs. But now it's like you'll have a reading time at the top, and you'll expect it to take you know two minutes to ten minutes, maybe a little bit longer. um With a white paper, you'll expect it to be a certain length. You'll expect it to be a certain format. But with a book, you kind of you expect to be spending a little bit more time and going a little bit deeper with it. And so it's not something that you're just going to be usually flipping. And although you can flip in and out, but it's like I'm picking up a book. I am interested enough in this topic to spend a little bit of deep time on it, and I want to go deep into it. And it's not like if I want a if I if I just want an overview, I'll read a quick blog post, and like I do that all the time, or I'll listen to a podcast episode, or you know, whatever. And then I'll be like, oh, I really want to know more about this topic. What's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm probably going to go and find a book, or I'm going to find a you know a deep video series or a documentary about it, or something like that. Just something that that draws me in. And on that on that note as well, you know, if you. I think with books, you've got a real opportunity to put your personality in there, because especially with the rise of AI and the stuff that's been written by AI, you can Google literally anything. You know, you can, there is, if you're going to, if you're going to look at it just with facts, there's no reason for anybody to ever write a book or a, thought, a thoughtful blog post ever again, because, you know, you can just Google the facts. But we don't want that. That's not interesting to us. It's like, I can Google facts about, you know, how to knit a sweater. But actually, what I'm more, that was a terrible example. Um, about how to raise sheep, for example, Um, and I can find all the facts. But what I'm really interested in is, is there anyone like me? Is there some idiot out there who accidentally found herself with three sheep, doesn't really know anything about it, and now needs to know something about sheep? It's like, I can read all the facts in the world, and they will confuse me. But if I'm reading about somebody's experience, and they're going to make me laugh, and they're going to make me care about them, and they're going to make me care about their sheep then that's a totally different thing. And that's something that um, white papers are never going to touch. Um, yeah. AI is never going to touch. And so for me, that's a chance. And yes, you can do that with podcasts and you can do that with blog posts and things. But with a book, you just get that the opportunity to be so much deeper and to put so much more of your personality into it.
0: Yeah. And there's so much talk with AI and generative AI and like replacing writers, stuff like that. But like literally, and people keep saying it, it's so clear. It's just a tape recorder. It's just... Like, it, it can't write a book. It could. It could pretend to. But it, it'll spit out stuff that, that with filler words, fluff words, no writing style. Um, and a lot of times it's going to be wrong, too. Like, they'll just say stuff. So, like, you can't. Like, nobody wants to read a book written by generative AI.
1: No, they don't. And, you know, that's that's not to say it's not a great tool. It can be an amazing tool. It can get you started. It can kill the blank page. It can It can do that kind of thing. But I do think that people are going to, you know, come to rely on it. And I know that people are going to be listening to this as well and saying, oh, but it's going to get better. Yeah, it's going to get better. But it's still going to draw from what's already out there and it's going to create from what's already out there. It's not coming from somebody's experiences. You know, it's not going to be like I was walking along um a, you know, a, a country road and there's golden leaves on the ground and there's red leaves above me. And it's like walking through a golden tunnel and it's making me feel these feelings about myself, the world and my place in it. AI can't touch that it's not going to touch that it's going to draw from stuff that's already there but it's it's not got any story behind it other than that somebody said can you write a piece about this in the style of this and so for me that's that's the human part of it it's like I am interested in why this person has written this thing in this style like this now it's like why? Why did you want to do that? And for me, that's the interesting part of it, not the piece itself. Oh, well, and the piece itself. But... Yeah, I mean, and,
0: and, and G- AI, generative AI, it, it's great for outlining. Like, it's great for helping you outline, giving you prompts back. It's, it's kind of like use it as like your your bounce back buddy. But like, it, it don't, it can't write for you.
1: <laughs> no, no, it can't, and it won't write. And yet, no matter how hard it tries, and no matter how good it gets, it's never going to capture. It might capture your voice, but it's not going to capture you in the moment now. And I think people don't realize how much of like the mood that you're in now and the situation you're in now influences what you're writing and how you write it and your view on the world. And so, you know, to get AI to do that for you, I just think it's a massive missed opportunity.
0: Yeah. So AI can't write it for you, but you know who can write a book for you? A ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my yes. next question here, like you, you've written 20 plus ghost written books, uh, I should say. Um... First, like, maybe just quickly describe ghostwriting. Um, but where I'm curious is, how do you capture somebody else's voice, expertise, story for them? How do you do that?
1: Yeah, so ghostwriting is is basically writing a book for somebody else in their voice. Um And you don't get your name on the cover. It's like, you know, a, a President's Speech is a Ghost Written by usually famous, often, like, I know Aaron Sorkin has written presidential speeches before um the creator of the west wing so um that's that's kind of an example but you would never know because i would never talk about it um but yeah so capturing people's voices so i mean i guess every ghostwriter has a, a different um a different process but mine is always to just start off by reading as much as I can about the person for a start but I will have interviews with them so I will record conversations with them either face to face or over zoom um and it will be an interview and I will ask questions I will get everything out of them like what's the book about who's it for all of the stuff that I would go through with my clients to help them write a book or my process for writing a book. Um, but I will be very specifically recording them, their turns of phrase, the idioms that they use, the feelings. And also I'll be making notes as well. If it's not videoed, I'll also be making notes about um, their mannerisms, their energy, that kind of thing, because that doesn't always come across on an, on an audio transcript. So I'll be like, oh, what was their body language doing? Did they seem uncomfortable? Did All of that kind of thing. So that is my process for, for catching, capturing their voice and for kind of... Um, yeah, it's not even mimicking, but it's writing in their voice. Um, and, you know, some people, some people could do it, some people can't. It's not for everybody. I remember writing a newsletter for a client of mine. Um, I wrote it for four years. Nobody in his, in his, none of his clients knew that I was the one writing it, which, you know, is, I was pretty proud of. But, um, but again, it's like, I completely immerse myself in like who he was, his, his mannerisms, his style, his worldview, his tone of voice. And now as a woman writing for a man as well. So, and, and so yeah. there's, you know, it's entirely possible to do that. It's just how willing are you to kind of immerse yourself in that, in that world and in that person um, sometimes can be quite disturbing depending on who the person is, I guess. <laughs>
0: but yeah what about like the actual like more technical part of it like obviously like any any writer writing a blog post can go out research topics um there's writers who specialize in different topics like if you want if you're in clean tech and you want somebody familiar there bam get a clean tech writer i imagine in non-fiction like it's not necessarily the same thing because you're going from topic to topic to topic how do you guess that actual like years of expertise without without doing it? Or is it just about like really taking the tidbits they say and only sticking to those facts?
1: Yeah, so I mean there's that that is what I do. Like I take what they say and I take that as as gospel. But one of the things that I think actually being a ghostwriter brings to it is because I'm not always, or almost never, an expert in the subject matter that they're talking about. Actually that can be a real strength because I can be like, I don't understand this, like, is your audience going to understand this? Are you sure? Um, And quite often, it'll be the curse of knowledge thing, it'll be like, they know what they mean, but they're writing actually for people who are maybe more like me. And so that ignorance on my part can actually be really, really valuable, because I'm like, this sentence doesn't make sense to me, or this chapter doesn't make sense to me, I think we need a bit more on this. So it can be a case of like, we can poke around at that, we can find out what's missing, we can find out maybe this doesn't need to be in there at all, because it's too technical. And so I think, Yes, sometimes you're going to want a subject matter expert, and there are definitely ghostwriters that will specialize in their area. But I think it can be really, really helpful um, to have people who are not, you know, involved in that world at all. And beta readers are another way of doing that. But for ghostwriting, it's like it can be either a strength or a, a weakness.
0: That that's a very similar to the marketing world, where you'll have your product and your engineering and technical team talking about the product in mm-hmm. all the all these amazing ways um and then marketing comes and looks at it and i'm like no one's going to understand what this means like like we have to write this yeah. in a way that like our potential customers will will get it so very similar there is it yeah. is it ever hard to like like write and ghostwritten and be like oh no now my name's not on it have you ever had that moment or is, like you're just so far away from this stuff
1: no because i I have it. I would imagine that there are some people who who it bothers them a little bit but I, I think that they probably wouldn't do more than one ghost written project if that was gonna bother mm-hmm. them. Um, for me i'm I'm just more like... This is really cool. I'm really, I'm really glad to have been involved in this. Um, You know, quite often we get shouted out in the acknowledgements anyway, um, which is, which is really, really nice. I would never expect it. Um, but no, it's never really bothered me. I, and also like I've written enough books of my own now, and I'm going to continue to write books of my own that if I want my name on the cover, I, I know how to do that, you know? (laughs) Uh, so
0: what, what's needed for, for me, or if I were your client and I was saying, Hey, you know, I've never written a book before I, I new to writing new to ghostwriting, what you're going to be my ghostwriter, what's the commitment what's needed from me in terms of resources
1: so clients are going to need to be willing to give me access to all you know pretty much everything that they've got so far because people have usually done a bit of work before this they've, they've got ideas they've got stuff um written down already so they're going to need to give me access to all of that stuff and they're also going to be need to be willing to give up you know a a decent chunk of time to have those interviews and those conversations with me as well um and that's just the start of it um and after that it's like I'm going to go away I'm going to do some writing um and then we're going to have a whole bunch more meetings where we're going to you know we're going to go through what I've put together we're going to make sure it's what they had in mind we're going to look at the structure we're going to kind of so it's it's a A hefty time commitment, not so much of a hefty um, kind of doing commitment, if that makes sense, because obviously I'll be the one doing all the writing. But there's going to be, they'll also have to be, you know, willing to answer some questions that, you know, may be quite difficult. And we'll always set boundaries at the beginning. It's like, what's off, what's off limits? What isn't off limits? What are you willing to kind of talk about? Are you willing to be challenged on stuff? Um, Because I I think that's where we get to the best stories and and kind of the best information is like to to Mm -hmm. do a challenging you know, a challenging thing, and I know that I, th- I would imagine that some, some. I've read some celebrity memoirs that are like clearly have been ghostwritten, and they've just not been challenged at all. And it's like, why? Why does this book exist? It doesn't really tell us anything. Um, but yeah, I, so there's there's kind of that emotional availability and willingness to be vulnerable, and also that time commitment. And realize that even though you're not doing the writing, it's still a big commitment from you because it's gonna to make it as good as it can be. There's going to be a lot of work on your side as well
0: yeah well it's time for our next segment which is spill the tea with we. that's right this is the <laughs> sassiest podcast for b2b and we're going to get juicy so we were talking a bit of, about it before and i'm sure you, you discussed this a lot in say the name of the uh, don't eat the frog what's the name
1: don't eat the frog yeah
0: don't eat the frog so you probably talk about it there but writer's block everybody faces it everyone hits that wall how, what are your tips for for facing writer's block?
1: So I, this is probably a controversial take, but I we don't love think,
0: controversial takes here.
1: <laughs> I don't think writer's block is a thing. Like, I don't think it exists because you don't hear about plumber's block or engineering block. <laughs> or you know, plumber's block is something entirely different. I think, but yeah, um, <laughs> um, but like. I don't know. I just, I just think, I think it's, and again, this is probably going to get me hate mail. Um, I think it's an excuse that we tell ourselves and it's an excuse. And I'm people, by the way, I do this as well, but it's like, Oh, I'm a writer and I'm, I have writer's block and therefore I can't write. And it's an excuse. It's an excuse that we use to not do the work that's required. And that's not to say that sometimes it's not really fucking challenging to get the words out and to do the thing, but to just sit there and say, Oh, I have writer's block. is like, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. It's. I don't think it's true. It's like, well, okay. How are we gonna like? What are we gonna do to 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 get past this? Because it's 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 a creative thing, right? It's a creativity thing. It's like we all have times where we don't feel creative. I've had a few months of just feeling like it's pushing rocks uphill to to kind of get anything interesting out of my head. And the key is to like get up, do something else. If like if you're just gonna sit and stare at a computer screen, stop doing that because it's gonna make you feel like crap. So get up. Do something else. We're back to change the state again. Um, go for a walk. <laughs> do a little dance. Make a little laugh. Bake a cake. I don't know. Do whatever. Um, but just kind of Play don't, with your don't sheep. keep doing that. Play with your sheep. Yeah. Play with your sheep. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one thing. The other thing that I tell people to do is um, write about being stuck. It's like, oh, I will sit down sometimes. I'll be like, oh, I'm supposed to be writing a thing on, um, you know, sp- polka dot plants and i can't write and it's really making me angry and so i'll like write this big rant and quite often that will segue into what i actually want to be writing about or something entirely different that i can then use so there's there's that as well it's just like literally just write anything um write nonsense like play games write a poem write a haiku i'm a big fan of writing crappy haikus people who love haikus will hate them um and so yeah there's there's just so many things that you can do that don't involve just having writer's block in a kind of passive way
0: I love that take. And, you know, on the marketing side, like again, it's it's blogs, it's ad copy, it's ebooks, yada, yada, like where I find it the most helpful is it's like, wait, I'm just focusing too much and trying to say the perfect thing and having the perfect words and the sentence structure. So to me, like the most helpful thing I do again, marketing side is like, okay, I will focus on making it perfect later. I will maybe just write how I normally would write, like, this is fucking stupid, like, say stuff like that. And then you go back, and then you make it, you know, you, you marketing speak for who you're writing to. So that's where I, yeah. I, I go in.
1: Yeah, I would also, that's amazing, and I would take that one step further. And, like, I often aim to write a big steaming pile of shit. Like, that's what I will aim for, because it's probably not going to be great. But whatever I write is going to be better than I think. And then you get rid of that perfectionism thing. So it's like literally aim to write the worst piece of writing you possibly can because at least then you've removed every single expectation.
0: I think there's a quote out there, it might be Martin Sorcese, Um, And it's like, if your first draft doesn't make you violently ill or something like that, then you did something wrong. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there is. It's like in the stages of every great thing that has been made, it's been an absolute pile of crap at the beginning it just has like
0: <laughs> so we definitely have to talk about this so you have been a circus performer and uh, you're a trapeze artist uh, performer yeah um like i really don't have questions here except just like literally tell us about that that's that's so cool
1: <laughs> so yeah when um, many many years ago one of my colleagues was like oh there's a pole dancing class do you want to go and i was like i don't know what pole dancing is but yes i will have a go at that um, she went to one class and never went back and I never left. So, um, after pole dance, I was pole dancing for like five or six years. And then I saw an advert for a trapeze classes in the same town. And I was like, well, that sounds great. So, um, started trapeze classes, um, went on to also do a bit of ropes, um, silks, hoop, the big, kind of round thing um but my my true love now is my first love was pole my true love is trapeze um I teach trapeze at a local studio on a Tuesday evening um, and on a Friday lunchtime and I still do pole dancing um I've competed I've performed in a big top um won a couple of competitions um I love performing on stage it's just so much fun
0: like how high up are you And do you have a net underneath you and stuff or?
1: (laughs) No, no. So there's, okay. So this is because there's like different types of trapeze. There's like flying trapeze, which is what you're thinking of um, with the big net. I've done that once and I was like, that's not for me. Um, But then there's also um, a more lyrical style of trapeze, which is um, a single point. So the ropes come together and then there's a a bar. Um, and then it spins. And so you can have that like quite high or very low and just do loads and loads of different styles. That's what I love doing is kind of usually not too high off the floor, um, can still do some cool tumbles and, and tricks and things. But yeah, not, not the flying trapeze. <laughs>
0: I so like you literally need to write a, it doesn't even have to be fictional but you need to do a fictionalized version of yourself because again you're, we talk about all this stuff before now you're like the trapeze person so you could be like a spy now that you have all these skills like I, there's so much there you might still be a spy i don't know but like there we is we're gonna do something here yeah <laughs> what's her name from from fleabag i feel like she could be a good you in a, a movie or something
1: Yes, I cannot remember her name because I'm a terrible person, but yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So, what,
0: back to the non trapeze stuff, but what are some myths when it comes to ghostwriting that you'd want to um, debunk?
1: Ghostwriting or writing? I can do some writing Ghost Ghostwriting. Let's do um, some writing
0: first. Yeah, let's do writing.
1: So. Yeah, the writer's block. Writer's block is a myth, <laughs> um, as, I, as I just said. Um, the inspiration myth. So I talk about this a lot. Um, this idea of waiting for inspiration to strike before you write. It's never going to happen. Like, it just isn't. And I think the romantic poets have a lot to answer for with that, with their muses and all of that kind of thing. It's like, there, there is like people will argue with me about this as well there is no muse it's just you you go and find inspiration from what's out there and from what you're interested in and then that's that's where that comes from similarly with motivation it's like I need to be motivated before I can write that's not how that works it's like you do the thing and then you get motivated to continue doing the thing and so those are two of the most helpful things that I have kind of internalized and it's like I, if I wait for inspiration or motivation, I'm never going to do anything. It's like I have to get myself started somehow. And you could get help to do that, like absolutely get help to do that. Like body doubling with people can really help and having a writing buddies can help and accountability and all that. But there is no like supernatural, you know, stuff to this at all. It's it's It all comes from in here. So yeah. th- those are, I think, the two biggest myths. Um, second myth, and I think people I think people really do believe this, even though logically they know it's not true, is like you see people write amazing books and make amazing films and make amazing songs, and that's all we see. Like, we just see the finished article. And so when we can't create something amazing, first first off, we're like, Oh, I'm i'm terrible what's wrong with me and we don't see the fact that they once had like a really rubbishy version of that at the beginning maybe not even a version maybe like a half-formed idea that doesn't even resemble the final thing and i really wish people would show more of their work in that in that way because i think it would be really really helpful so i like to show quite a lot of my behind the scenes stuff and you know the you know first first drafts and things because i think it's really helpful for people to be like you know it, it didn't come out fully formed it came it came from a process so i think that's really important to remember as well
0: yeah that's amazing like like i learn by by seeing by doing so seeing on somebody else's process and iterations i imagine that's like like so valuable in in being a writer because usually again like you're saying it's like no i was just perfect and i and i spit out a book and it's amazing and follow me
1: yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it's just it's just
1: never true (laughs)
0: So Vicky, thank, thank you so much for coming on. I always like to before we go use this to shout out your so you have some books, people can contact you about your program. So shout out or wherever people can contact you and anything else you'd like to promote.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Vicky Quinn Fraser, um, or Moxie Books will probably find me. Um, my website is moxiebooks.co.uk. Um, I am on Instagram at tiny beetle steps. I'm about to embark on TikTok as well. I can't remember what my username is on there, but it'll be either tiny beetle steps or Vicky Quinn Fraser. Um, so they'll watch out for silly things on there. Um, and yeah, I've got my next round of microbook magic is starting in january um Ooh. i will be opening the launch doors for that uh, later this month um but yeah if you want to get on the early early list for that then you can email me vicky at moxiebooks.co.uk
0: yeah well if you've ever thought about writing a book or i've been struggling you now know the perfect person to go to everybody please contact vicky and again thank vicky thank you so much for being here and everybody thank you for listening i'll see you on another episode of Lee to B next time Enjoying Lee to Be? Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Your reviews go a long way in supporting me. Thank you so much.